Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. Praise God. I'm so glad you're here. I began a series a few weeks ago talking about the lifestyle of faith. And I began in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35 and verse 36. It says, cast not therefore away your confidence, which has great repayment of reward. For you have need of patience that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Praise God. So we talked about the first aspect of faith when it says, cast not away therefore your confidence. That word for confidence in the Greek is the Greek word parousia, and it means to have a bold, unapologetic confession of the Lord Jesus. Amen? And we need to have a bold confession of Jesus. We need to have a bold confession of faith. And we need to have a bold confession of the Word of God. We need to make no apologies for it. But then when it says, uh, you have need of patience after that you have done the will of God so that you might receive the promise, the word for patience in the Greek is the word hupomone. And it's actually... A different word than is used in most places in the New Testament for patience. And that word actually means perseverance, endurance, or to be constant, or to be consistent. Even in the midst of the worst adversity and the worst trial, to be consistent in your faith, to have a lifestyle of faith. And we talked about how Abraham really is a good picture of faith. He's called the father of our faith. But his life represents 50 years of faith in God. And God gave him the promise when he was 75. He believed in the Lord of the promise when he was 83 years old. He was 99 years old when he identified with the promise. This is a problem with many people. They're identifying with the problem rather than identifying with the promise. And if you identify with the problem rather than the promise, it's going to be hard for you to receive the promise. But he identified with the promise when he was 99. Then when he was 100, he received the promise. Finally, when he was about 125 years old, God spoke to him. He said, I want you to take your son Isaac. Isaac represented everything that Abraham had believed God for. For years and years and years, I want you to offer him on a mountain that I show you. He went three days journey. And he, as he was offering up there, getting ready to offer him up, he, he, he tied him to the wood. He got his knife. He was ready to slay, slay him. And it says the angel of the Lord caught him by the hand and said, Abraham, seeing that you've done this thing in blessing, I will bless you in multiplying. I will multiply you. The Bible tells us about that in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 17. And it says that God confirmed the promise to Abraham by an oath in that he was uh, he could swear by no greater. He swore by himself, saying, blessing, I'm going to bless you. Amen? multiplying, I'm going to multiply you. Praise God. It goes on to say that that enters in, faith enters into the veil. It enters into the finished work of Jesus. This confirmation of the promise. Essentially, Jesus is the one 
who confirmed the promise. Jesus is the one who finished the work in his death and in his resurrection. Praise God. And he's the confirmation. But it brings us into the finished work of the cross. Amen? So we talked about that. And then we talked about being consistent in giving and receiving. Just before that, Paul, or the writer of Hebrews says this, Hebrews 10, verse 32, he says, after you were illuminated, you endured a great fight of afflictions. But he goes on to say this in verse 34, that while you were in those, you, it, he says, you took joyfully the spoiling of your goods. You kept giving. You kept receiving. I love what Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, he says, my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I thank God for that promise. But you know what? When you read that, if you read that in context, verse 15 says this, no church communicated with me in giving and receiving, but you only. Amen? Praise God. So these, this was a promise to givers and receivers. And when you're consistent in giving and receiving, amen, my God will supply all of your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. But today I'm going to talk about another area of being consistent in the realm of faith. I'm going to talk about being consistent in prayer and consistent in praise. You know, the Bible says this in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. It says, continue in prayer and abound therein with thanksgiving. Amen? We need to continue in prayer. Amen? We need to be consistent in prayer. We need to be abounding therein with thanksgiving. I was reminded as I was thinking about this a number of years ago, the leader of our men's fellowship when we went on Saturday morning, he, I went there one Saturday and I'd been dealing with some difficulties and issues and problems and the leader had passed out three by five cards and he said, I want you to write down what you're believing God for right now. Amen. And so I wrote that down on that three by five card. That morning I happened to be wearing a jacket. I stuck it in the coat of my jacket and I forgot all about it. But we prayed and believed and you know what? The next month I went back and, and, and the leader of the men's fellowship said, now what did you pray for last month? What did you write on that card? I just laughed, hallelujah, because it was such a difficulty at that point in time, but God dealt with it. It was already over. We were already through it, hallelujah, and God has taken us forward, amen? We need to remember what God has done. And so we need to, he says, continue in prayer and watch. You need to watch your prayers. Watch there and too with thanksgiving. We, and you know what? Your prayers will work a lot better when you sandwich them between thanksgiving. Hallelujah. In fact, I heard that it's National Ice Cream Sandwich Day. <laughs> but we had already ordered donuts and it was too late. Or I would have bought you all ice cream sandwiches, but I guess you got donuts. Praise God. But, but anyway, um, you know what? I was going to give you an ice cream sandwich. So you can go eat an ice cream sandwich this afternoon, and you can remember that your prayers work a lot better when they're sandwiched 
between Thanksgiving. So I'm going to talk about prayer, first of all, and being consistent in prayer. Turn with me to Luke chapter 18. In Luke chapter 18, verse 1, Jesus was speaking. He spoke a parable to those to this end, that men should always pray and not faint, saying there was in a city a judge. He did not fear God nor regard men. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard men, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. This woman is a pest. This woman is wearing me out, and I'm just tired of dealing with her. Now, the Lord said, hear what the unjust, hear what this wicked judge says. I want you to know that God is not a wicked judge. And God doesn't answer you just because you pester him enough. <laughs> he says, shall not God avenge his own elect? You need to remember who you are. You are the elect of God. You are the chosen of God. You are the people of God. You are the children of God. You're righteous, sanctified. You're, you have the mind of Christ. You're redeemed from every curse. You're forgiven for every sin. You're blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. You are God's own sons and daughters. Praise God. When you begin to remember that, guess what? It changes the way that you pray. In fact, when he says this, he says, God will avenge his own elect who cry to him day and night, though he bear long with them. I tell you this, look at verse 8. He will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, shall he find faith on the earth. And what's he saying? He, he's telling this parable, men should always pray and not faint. And he concludes it with this. When the Son of Man comes, when Jesus comes again, shall he find faith on the earth? I want to tell you something. All people of faith pray. However, all prayers are not prayers of faith. You know, the Bible says if there's any sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church. James chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. Let them pray the prayer of faith over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And if they've committed sins, they shall be forgiven. Amen? The prayer of faith. But not all prayers are prayers of faith. And so Jesus is saying, hey, people should always pray and not faint. And, and praying is a sign that you have faith, but not all prayers are faith. Praise God. If God heard us because we prayed a lot, the Muslims, the Hindus, and the Buddhists would all be ahead of us in praying. I mean, they pray circles around most Christians. 
Years and years ago in the 1990s, I went with Dr. Delron Shirley to Nepal. Nepal is primarily Hindu and Buddhist. One morning in Kathmandu, they call it the city of a million idols. I was out jogging in the morning, and this person ran around me, young man. And pretty soon he ran. He was going fast. I was going slow. And I thought, well, he passed me before. This happened three or four times, and I said, what is going on? This young man, then I noticed he ducked into a temple of an idol, and he was there praying. He was praying to as many gods as he could that morning to appease their wrath. That is not what we do in Christianity. I want to tell you that the blood of Jesus has once and for all settled the issue. The blood of Jesus has already appeased the wrath of God. And we don't pray as much as we can pray trying to get some angry God to try to hear us and appease his wrath and be kind to us. The fact is God's anger was appeased at the cross and God is not mad at you. He's not even upset. Because all of his wrath and all of his anger and all of his judgment was poured out on the cross. Amen? And it's not because of your many prayers that God hears you. You know, I got a book one time years ago about seven steps to getting your prayers answered. And, and I got in about chapter two and I was so discouraged. I thought, I can never do all this stuff. Hallelujah. I'll tell you how to get your prayers answered. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved, the Bible says. Call on the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus actually said this. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, you will ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. You've taken up residence in him. Let his word abide on you, praise God, and just call on the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. So God doesn't hear you because you pray a lot. God doesn't hear you because you bombard heaven with your prayers. God doesn't hear us because we get 1,000 people praying or 2,000 people praying or 10,000 people praying or 50,000 people praying. In fact, when Jesus was in a tight situation, he didn't call a bunch of people to pray. He didn't bring a bunch of people with him. He brought a whole bunch of people out. And then Jesus took three of his top guys, Peter, James, and John, in with him and said, let's get this job done. Hallelujah. And when Barbara and I are in a tight spot, we don't call 10 or 15 or 20 or 30 people and say, would you pray for us? We're in such a dire problem. We don't do that. Do you know what we call? We call one or two good friends. We call one or two people that know God. People of faith are people who know God. And we get them to agree with us and believe God with us. It's not because you pray many prayers. It's because you pray in faith and you believe the name of Jesus. Yeah. Hallelujah. In fact, the Bible tells us in the book of James chapter 1 that if we lack wisdom, we should go to God and we should ask him. And he said we should ask him in faith with nothing wavering. 
He said, because he said, he who wavers is like a double-minded man. He is unstable in all of his ways. Praise God. There, when you pray in faith, there is a knowing about your prayer. You see, Jesus said something about it in Mark chapter 11, verse 24. He said, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Now, what would you act like if you really believed that God had already answered your prayer? What would you, what would you act like? Praise God. Hallelujah. There you go. You'd start shouting. You'd start rejoicing. You would start glorifying God. You know, a few weeks ago, Aaron had to be somewhere, and I was preaching on a Wednesday night. Larry and Carla were here. I was preaching on redemption, but while I was preaching, Larry and Carla had been dealing with the issue for a few years. While I was preaching, God used one of the scriptures that I shared, and it wasn't what I was sharing about it, but God just used that scripture and spoke to her heart, and Carla said, it is done. It is. She was rejoicing, praise God, and did you know what? Just a few weeks later, that issue came to rest. That issue was finished. That issue was done. You know, we've been dealing with the issue here at this church for over three years. In fact, I was driving to work a, a few months ago, and the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me, and he said, the Lord has long patience for the precious fruit of the earth, and he waits for it. But when Mark Hankins was here preaching on Sunday morning in June, he said, the Lord is going to beat down your enemies before your face. I thought, whoa, gee, I jumped up. I stuck both in my, my hands in the and I started shouting. I thought, praise God, I got the answer. God is going to beat down our enemies before our face. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I got the answer before we ever got there. He I asked Mark. He wasn't preaching about that at all. I asked him later that day. I said, Mark, is that a scripture? He said, yeah, it's in Psalm 89. It's part of the covenant. You know what? I started acting like I already received the promise, even though it's yet to be seen. Hallelujah. But I believe we shall receive in Jesus' name, and it's going to be settled. It's going to be settled in our favor. Glory to God. Amen. So you need to learn how to rejoice, hallelujah, before you see the answer. You need to learn how to sandwich your prayers in between thanksgiving. Glory to God. You need to learn how to be praising God and learn how to pray prayers of faith. Amen. The prayer of faith acts different. The prayer of faith thinks different. In fact, Kenneth E. Hagin said this years ago, he said he could tell the difference in the people that had received when he prayed for them because they got the wine out of their voice. And whiners are not winners. So you need to quit whining and start rejoicing. You need to quit whining and start thanking and praising God and start glorifying God. Because when you know who you are and and you know who he is, it changes how you pray. 
Jesus said you pray like this. Our Father, when you know your Father is in heaven, hallowed be your name. When you know who he is, when you know that he's your provider and he's your healer and he's your peace and he's your righteousness and he's your sanctification, when you know that he's your provision, when you know that he's with you, praise God, when you know you pray differently. Praise God. And when you know who you are, praise God. I love Paul's prayers in the book of Ephesians. Praise God. Paul prayed four prayers actually in the, in the epistles. He prayed one in Ephesians 1. He prayed one in Ephesians 3. He prayed one in Philippians chapter 1. And he prayed one in Colossians chapter 1. And when Paul prays, I like how he prays because there's never a sense of need. There's never a sense of lack. There's never a sense of, of defeat. There's never, a, there's only a sense of this is who God is. This is who Christ is. This is what God has called you to do and this is what God has invested in you in Christ so you can get the job done. So if you want to know how to pray in a New Testament way, take Paul's prayers and pray them. But I love how he begins the prayer in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 14 and verse 15. He says unto the Father in heaven of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Unto our Father. Everybody say God is my father, and I'm in, can you give me that water? I'll grab it. God is my father, and I'm in his family. When you understand, <coughs> excuse me, that God is your father, and when you understand that you're in his family, it changes how you pray. Jesus talked about this in Matthew chapter 7. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 7 and read in verse 7 through verse 11. He says, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. For everyone who asks receives. And everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door shall be opened. Praise God. Now if you read it in the Greek, it says something like this. Ask and keep on asking. For everyone who asks receives. Seek and keep on seeking. For everyone who seeks finds. Knock and keep knocking. For to everyone who knocks, the door is opened. Praise God. This word ask, if you study out in the Greek, it's the Greek word atayo. And one meaning of that word is this, to make a demand based on a right. You know what? You can make some demands based on rights. You know, when I was a little boy living in the trailer park in Penrose, Colorado, the neighbor kid come over and he stole my nice big metal Tonka truck and he went and he put it under his trailer. You know what I did? I went over to his house and I got under his house and I got my Tonka truck back. Amen. Now, if you understand the gospel, you understand that Jesus came to restore everything to you that the devil has taken. 
Amen? And if you begin to understand, you can make some demands based on some rights. You see, that was not my neighbor boy's Tonka truck to take. Amen? My health is not the devil's to take. My wealth is not the devil's to take. My righteousness is not the devil's to take. My peace is not the devil's to take. So I'm going to get some things back in the name of Jesus. I'm going to take my authority and act like a believer instead of a doubter. And if you start acting like a believer, you're going to start rejoicing before you even see the physical manifestation of what you're praying and praising God for. Amen. So we need to pray, hallelujah, before. In fact, Paul said this about praying in faith. He said in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8, he said, I will that men therefore pray everywhere without wrath and lifting up holy hands. Amen, said Jesus, I surrender to you without wrath and doubting. Amen, we need to keep praying. We need to keep believing. Let's go back and read a little bit more in Matthew chapter 7. Because when he says ask, what it really means is ask and receive and then ask for some more. Amen? And seek and then find and then seek for more. And then knock and the door will be open and then knock on some more doors. It keeps, means keep asking. Amen? Keep seeking. Amen? It means keep knocking. Hallelujah. I remember when we built our first building here in Colorado Springs over at 720 Elkton Drive. And then I paid it off about a year later. Right after I paid it off, I had Andrew Womack come and preach for me. And Andrew Womack said, now you don't sit on your laurels. You keep believing God. God's got more out there in front of you. Hallelujah. About a month later, I had Jesse DePlantis. Gave me the exact same word. Now don't stop believing God now. Amen. You need to keep believing God. Just because you paid something off, just because you received a miracle, doesn't mean you stop believing. You keep the switch of faith turned on. You keep believing God because God has more in front of you than, than he has, than there is behind you. Amen. You need to keep believing God. I remember when Jesse DePlantis came and first preached for us. It was at our 10th anniversary. Our church was about a million dollars in income there at that point in time. And I remember after Jesse preached for us, I took him back to the jet. He got me up on the jet. He sat across from me in the jet, and he began to speak something. I said, now, Jesse, our income right now is a million dollars a year, and I'm believing God short-term for $2 million a year. I'm believing long-term for $10 million a year. He just looked across at me, and he said, when you get to $10 million, don't stop there. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. So I believe, amen. Went to two million. I started believing God for three million. Got to three million. Started believing God for seven million. Haven't got there yet. But I believe it. But long term, I'm believing a lot, for, lot more than that. In fact, about 10 or 12 years ago, Andrew Womack came to preach for us at our annual, you know, anniversary service. And, and I was out that Sunday morning. I was walking and I was praying. And I was praying for Andrew's income of his ministry to go to $100 million a year. They were about 30 or 40 million at that point in time. And you know what? Today, the income of Andrew Womack Ministries is $100 million a year. Hallelujah. You know, hallelujah. I, I, and I rejoice. But you know, as I was praying that, the Lord spoke something to me. He said, if you could believe God for Andrew Womack's ministry to have $100 million a year of income, why can't you believe for your own ministry to have $100 million a year of income? 
Hallelujah. You see, sometimes it's so easy when we're praying for somebody else. But you see, we need to believe God not only when we pray for other people, we need to believe God when we pray for ourselves. Praise the Lord. But when you pray and you really believe God, part of that is you start thanking God for the answer. I love this scripture in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 to verse 18. It says, rejoice evermore. He says, pray without ceasing. He says, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. This is God's will. It's God's will for you always to be rejoicing. Rejoice evermore. It's God's will for you always to be praying. Pray without ceasing. Amen? And it's God's will for you always to be giving thanks. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Notice how he ties prayer and rejoicing with thanksgiving. See, he sandwiches prayer right in between rejoicing and thanksgiving. Amen? So not only do we need to continue in prayer, we need to continue in praise. I want you to turn with me to Psalm chapter 8, verse 2. And in Psalm chapter 8, Verse 2, the scripture talks about this. It's a prophecy, actually, of what happened in the new birth. But he says, out of the mouths of babes and sucklings, you have ordained strength because of your enemies that you might still the mouth of the enemy and the avenger. How many of you know Satan comes? He comes like a roaring lion. You know what a roaring lion does? He just makes noise. He intimidates his prayer, or intimidates his prey, excuse me, with his roar, with his noise. But that's all the devil is. He just makes a lot of noise. I like something that David Ingalls said years ago. He said, Satan comes as a roaring lion, but Jesus knocked his teeth out, and all he can say is, meow. <laughs> Hallelujah, the devil is not what he used to be. Amen, Jesus defeated him at the cross. I don't know if you've read the story, but Jesus won. And I've read the end of the book, and we win. Amen. So we need to keep rejoicing. We need to keep praising God. But he says, out of the mouths of babes and sucklings, you have ordained strength. Jesus actually quoted this at the trial of triumphal entry in Matthew chapter 21 and verse 16, but he said it this way, out of the mouths of babes you have perfected praise. You see, there's power released when you praise God. Praise is actually part of having faith towards God. And when we begin to understand it, it changes how we pray. Now, in Psalm chapter 149, verse 6 through 9, it says this, Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance on the heathen and punishment upon the people, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute upon them the judgment that is written. This honor have all the saints. Praise ye the Lord. You know, the Lord spoke to me one time years ago, and he told me when Jesus comes back out of his mouth comes a sharp two-edged sword. You can read that in the book of Revelation. But he said one side of that sword, it's called the word of God. One side of that sword is for defense. And one side of that sword is for offense. 
Amen? Praise God. And you, it's hard for you to win if all you ever do is play defense. So you can not only speak the word of God out of your mouth when you're in a defensive position, when the devil's trying to fight you in the area of physical sickness and disease, or when the animal's trying to fight your finances or fight you in another, but you can take the word and you can speak the word. You don't have to wait till you're sick to believe God for healing and health. And you don't have to wait till you're broke and your finances are in a wreck before you believe God for financial prosperity. In fact, I believe in living off of the top of the barrel. You say, what's that, pastor, living off the top? Some people living on the bottom of the barrel all the time. And I heard John Osteen talking about this years ago. He said, it seemed like we were always scraping the bottom of the barrel. So he said, I decided that we would live off the top of the barrel. So we started believing. And he said, we started believing. And when we could, when we could walk, we crawled. And when we could run, we walked. And when we could ride a bicycle, we ran. And when we could drive a car we rode a bicycle and when we could fly we drove in other words we got behind that we let that stay out above us and we just believed God for the barrel to get full and then we live off the top of the barrel that's a lot better way to live than living on the bottom of the barrel glory to God and too many of God's people been living on the bottom of the barrel too long Amen. Years ago, when I was dealing with financial issues and different things, the Lord really spoke to me. And the Lord spoke to me, and he said, Lawson, you can believe God for finances just like you can believe God for health. Amen. So we learned that we can believe God. Amen. And, and, we, and we believe God. And I, I read this book, and this one person, he put it so good. He said, some of you have cut back so much that you don't have any more room that you can cut back. So what you need to do is you need to start believing God for increase. Hallelujah. You need to start praying. You need to start praising. You need to start glorifying God. You need to start acting like the promises are true. You need to quit whining about your problems. You need to quit talking about what you don't have, and you need to start thanking God for what you do have. And when you start thanking God for what you do have, he'll give you more. Hallelujah. And you can start living off the top of the barrel. You don't have to be down there just scraping, believing for every nickel, every time. That's right. Hallelujah. Amen. So exercise your faith. Amen. You don't only have to use it for defense. You can use it for offense. But see, praise is a weapon that overcomes. See, we're not, and we're not fighting to gain a place of victory. The victory has already been won. We're fighting our victory to defend. Jesus won the victory in his death and resurrection. And now we're fighting to hold on to the victory that we have already won. Amen? So number one, you need to keep praying. But when you pray, you need to pray in faith. And number two, along with your prayers, you need to start praising God. Start glorifying God. And you need to learn how to praise God before you see the physical manifestation of what you're believing God for. Kind of like the children of Israel when they came out of Egypt. Did you know what? They had the right song, but it was on the wrong side. You see, after they saw their enemies defeated in the Red Sea. Do you know God can use the same thing and bless you and destroy your enemies? 
They started rejoicing after they saw their enemies drowned in the Red Sea. Miriam took a tambourine. She began to dance around in Exodus 15 and sing, I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider thrown into the sea. Yeah. I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider thrown into the sea. The Lord, my God, my strength and my song has now become my victory. Praise God. The Lord, my God, my strength, my song has now become my victory. Oh, the Lord is God and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will. The Lord is God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. Hallelujah. Got it too high the first time, too low the next time. Hallelujah. Amen. But you, you, she, she was singing the right song. It was the right song, but it was the wrong sign. But you know, there's some examples in the Bible. I want to turn to one of them right now. It's in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, the Moabites, the Ammonites, and the Syrians had surrounded Israel. It says in verse 4 that Judah gathered themselves together to ask the help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. He said, O oh Lord God of our fathers, you are God in heaven, and you rule over the kingdoms of the heaven. And in your hand is there not power and might so that none can withstand you? Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the seed of Abraham forever? says then in verse 14, upon Jehazel, the son of Zechariah, the spirit of the Lord came in the middle of the congregation. Verse 15, he said, hearken all Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord unto you, do not be afraid nor dismayed by the reason of this great multitude for the battle is not yours. You need to remember that the battle is not yours. It's the Lord's, it's God's battle. Tomorrow, go down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Set yourself, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, O Judah and Jerusalem. Fear not, be not dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. It tells us what happens. Then the Spirit of God came on Jehoshaphat. He said this in verse 20. He said, believe in the Lord your God, so shall you be established. Believe his prophets, so you shall prosper. And when he consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord that they would praise the beauty of his holiness. And they went out before the army to say, praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. Now this is quite a deal. You put the flute player in front of the army. And they begin to say, praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. Verse 22 says, when they began to sing and praise, the Lord sent ambushments against the children of Ammon and Moab and the Syrians, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. Did you know what? They all destroyed themselves. And Israel, do you know what they did? For three days, they just picked up the goods. 
See, I believe that's what happened in the death and resurrection of Jesus. I believe that Jesus went to the grave and he conquered the devil. He took captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. And I believe he was just three days picking up the goods. Hallelujah. And today, you know what? Jesus already won the battle in his death and resurrection. And he sent the Holy Spirit so you can walk in the victory that he has already won. Amen. So what do we need to do? We need to go pick up the goods. Glory to God. I got one more example that I want to use. And I'm going to ask my daughter-in-law, Heather, to come up here really quick. Just give her that mic. But this is from Joshua chapter 6. A few weeks ago, we had been fighting a battle in our social media, and Heather helps us with it, and Max Cornell, our friend, told us about a good person that does uh, social media advertising. He got on the computer with us and said, this will take less than an hour. Sometimes it's a little, listen, we spent two hours. We got nowhere. <sighs> and it just got, and then you Terrible. spent weeks and weeks, but what happened? Well, I was reading the Bible. Imagine that. I went to the Word. I spend time in the Word every single morning, and um, I was not prepared for this. I have to remember. Help me remember. It's oh. Joshua chapter 6. Okay, well, like I just know how to quote that. <laughs> I'm not you, Pastor. Okay, anyway, in the Bible, it talks about how Joshua, okay, and they, they were... I can, um, I'll read it. Yeah, I, can I read Joshua. it? Yeah, you can read it. It's great. I just thought it was better to have it than you. Okay. Well, you might <laughs> change your mind. Okay. Help me find it. Help me Joshua find six. it. Six what? One, one through five. The whole thing? No, okay. And the Lord said to Joshua, to okay, I know I have to. This verse one, and it sorry. shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout and the wall of the city shall fall down flat. Let me tell you, I was up against a wall with our Facebook. It was ridiculous. You had to do all these things behind the scenes. And anyway, come to find out our Facebook the owners of it were three people, and it wasn't us. <laughs> and so God said, if you will just start praising God, this wall is going to come down. So you know what I did? I got to get down here because I'll fall. I started walking around my kitchen saying, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you for giving me wisdom. This wall is going to come down, and I don't know how it's going to come down, but it's going to come down. And all I kept saying was, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Jesus. Hallelujah. And then I went back and I sat down at the desk and I made two clicks and it was all gone. Amen. The wall Hallelujah. came down. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. She said, yep. first one, she quoted me when she told me, she said, Jericho was straightly shut up. It was straightly shut up. <laughs> because the children of Israel, more they, none could go out or in. We That's couldn't. What? We couldn't go out or in. It was bad. And, and you started rejoicing, and in 15 minutes of that praising thing, God, three God weeks of dealing with that mess all changed. In 15 minutes. Yes, of and God. you know what? During first service, I was watching online because I was at home with my kids getting ready. And you know what? The Lord said, We don't spend enough time praising Him. We spend Hallelujah. too much time complaining. And like you said, whining. I was walking around my kitchen going, Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. This is Hallelujah. powerful. Yeah. Hallelujah. And when you start sandwiching, listen, just yes. use this. Yes. Go eat an ice cream sandwich Hallelujah. today. And remember this. 
And every time you eat an ice cream sandwich, remember, we sandwich our prayer. And when you'll sandwich your prayer between praise, you'll get a lot more effective. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. In your prayers. All right. Praise God. We love you. God bless you. Aaron's going to come and receive the Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.